0: Earlier today, we read the Apostles' Creed. We've been going over the Apostles' Creed for the past few weeks online. I hope you've been joining us. We're gonna continue that um, over the next few weeks, as I'll explain here in a few minutes. But we're in this series, and we're looking at each of these pieces of the Apostles' Creed. And you may have grown up with the Apostles' Creed. Maybe it was something you said in church. Maybe, Maybe when you see those words on the screen, those are familiar words, and you're just used to saying those out loud. Or maybe you grew up like me, You didn't grow up with a lot of creeds. Maybe you knew about them, you knew that other people said them, but you didn't really understand the meaning or the purpose or what they mean behind it. Maybe you grew up in a tradition that was very anti creedal even, that said, hey, I don't like those at all. But as I began to think about what do we need to do in this season, what does it look like for us to begin to think about exploring the way of Jesus, I kept coming back to this. And I kept feeling that God was drawing me to this place to talk about the creed and to see that this is the root. When Greg says it's all Jesus, nothing added, that's the beauty of the creed is that it takes us back to the center of the reality that over 1,500 years, people have been reciting and talking about and, and understanding. And it's not just about saying words. And that's what I wanna be careful about and that's what I've talked about as we've got into this series. Boy, it's good to preach again, by the way, with people. But as you get into this and you talk through this creed, you don't just say it, you don't just recite it, you don't just put words on a screen and say those words out loud. The point of the words is to help us understand our faith so that we live out our faith. A couple words that I used last week is we talk about our orthodoxy, which is our right belief. These words help us to have right belief about God, about the story of Jesus, about the Holy Spirit that he sends us. Because as we have that orthodoxy or that right belief, that helps us develop another big word here, our orthopraxy, which is our right practice. And, guys, here's what I look around and I see the church over these past couple years. As I think about why we started Southeast to begin with, why did we say we needed to redefine the church? I think it's because as we look around, a lot of us were realizing orthopraxy was all messed up. People were practicing and focusing on things that didn't matter, that weren't at the center of the story. And so, rather than grace, we saw judgment in our world. Rather than love, we saw the church acting as a place of hate we said what does it look like to come down to a right place and say we have to get this right because there's love and grace and mercy and justice at the center of the story and this is what helps us get there and so we've gone through this series we've talked through these different uh, clauses of the creed and if you have you haven't had a chance if you haven't listened to it I, I really I do encourage you go back or if you say hey I don't have time to listen to a sermon fine send me an email And I'll just talk to you through each of those clauses because guys, this, I love it. It has helped me to see some things, to change some things, to make some shifts. And I'm so happy that we went into this series just for my own sake and I believe it helps all of us. So call me, text me, shoot me an email, listen to it if you can, but go through this series because today we come to the center of this creed. We come to this point, this moment, with these words that say this. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again for 1,500 years. Over 1,500 years. And even before that, the reason they call it the Apostles' Creed It's because tradition tells us it connects all the way back to the teaching of the apostles to the first Christians. And what did they emphasize? What was important? What mattered from that very beginning? The church has confirmed the statement. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. Resurrection matters. Luke 24 He is not here. He has risen. If my father-in-law was here, he would shout out really loud, he has risen indeed. I'm not going to force us to do that today, but that I can hear him saying that out loud right now. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over the hands of sinners and be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words that when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. A quick reminder that it was women who were the first preachers of the good news of Jesus. But they did not believe the women. Shocking. Because their words seemed to them like nonsense, no comment. <laughs> Peter, however, Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb. And bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, now listen to this, wondering to himself what had happened. Peter was a fisherman. He was from a small town. Then one day, Jesus walked into this town. He told Peter and his brother to follow him. The story says that Peter dropped everything that he was doing to follow Jesus. And from there, he became one of Jesus' most well-known disciples. He was loud. He was passionate. He was impulsive. Sometimes I look at Peter and I go, I get that guy. At almost every point that Peter is mentioned in the stories, he had something to say. And he always seemed like he had a point, like he always had it right, that he had it all figured out. That's maybe where Peter and I drift a little bit. I don't ever want to say I've got it all figured out, but Peter, he always knew the answers. He always seemed to have the right things. But Peter's world was turned completely upside down in this last week. He watched Jesus arrested. He saw Jesus crucified he saw him placed in a tomb. Peter watched as the crowds cheered as Jesus entered Jerusalem. Then he watched as the leaders and the teachers, fearful of that message of Jesus, convinced the crowd then to reject Jesus. And even Peter ended up denying that he even knew Jesus. I mean, it's incredible to think about this huge crisis of faith, this, this absolute just shift in everything that happens to Peter. Peter. You know, he's probably at the side of the road and he's, you know, he's he's cheering. He's saying, hey, everybody finally gets it. I've been saying the whole time that this is the Messiah. And he's cheering. He's excited. And the crowd's like, yeah. And he's like, finally, you guys got it, right? And these people who are fearful of the message of Jesus The way that he upended religion and social political order, the way that his message was going to change the world. Because when you start teaching grace and love and mercy and justice and forgiveness and equality, everything changes, doesn't it? And so the message of Jesus sounds dangerous. And so they look at the crowds and they say, hey, this Jesus is dangerous. We cannot fall. This is not a good idea. And somehow, and I can't believe, this is one of those places that I say, hey, you told the rest of the story. Somewhere in here, they don't have more stories about these people convincing these crowds to give up on Jesus. But somehow, within a few days, the whole entire crowd turns and rejects Jesus. Sometimes I wonder if they began to realize what it would mean for them. What happens if grace and love and mercy and justice and equality comes home and roosts on your front door? All of a sudden, everything changes. When it's your power out of control. When everything changes for you. Maybe it's easy to change your tune. Maybe it's, maybe it's easy then at that point to reject Jesus. I mean, how many of us feel that way? How many of us get to places in life where we realize, hey, I'm okay with Jesus messing with this over here, but when it, when it deals with this area of my life, ah, uh, uh, no, no, no. I don't want Jesus to go over there. So we compartmentalize everything, don't we? We start putting stuff in boxes and saying, man, this is the box that Jesus can deal with over here, but I'm going to keep this box over here. But then these people realize there wasn't any way to do that. It was the whole box. And they realized the the message of Jesus is going to mess with everything. So they reject Jesus. And Peter sees this. And all of a sudden, he ends up questioning. And in that crazy moment, he says, hey, didn't you follow that guy? And he says, I don't know him. I don't know that guy. And he denies even knowing. So I think it's a huge deal then. We get to this tomb. Peter comes running to look inside. And it says that he left wondering what happened. The loud, passionate, impulsive, probably semi-obnoxious man had nothing left to say all he could do is wonder what happened see he didn't go shouting hey jesus is resurrected guys everybody come look he walked back wondering what's fascinating is that he would eventually put the pieces together but it took a bunch of time see instead he walked away in that moment confused and sometimes that's faith Sometimes it's not just that you flip a switch and everything's okay again. Especially when you go through a really difficult season of life. It's okay to sit in confusion, in wonder. It's okay to realize that it's going to take some time to figure this stuff out. There's grace in that. I think that the Holy Spirit works through that. So Peter, however, got up, he ran to the tomb. And bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering what happened. As I said before, I I don't know how many times in the past two years I've wondered to myself, what has happened? How many times have you woken up and you went, what is going on? What is happening? I get to those points and I would send a message to Greg and Matt because we have this text thread that, man, that thing is long. Filled with gifts and memes. And I, man, I hope you have some people like that in your life. That's what you need. That's church right there. And we would send a message. I go, what is happening? Has everybody lost their minds? What is going on? And that's what I imagine here in this moment. He's like, what is happening? I've been uncertain, I've been sad, I've been confused, and I'm so thankful that Peter's story is here because it reminds me that that's okay. That is a part of faith. But here's where it's important. Faith is also hope. And not just hope in hope. Not just hope in some kind of idea, oh, I have hope, but hope in something deeper, something bigger, something more incredible than any of us could ever imagine and that hope is resurrection if we keep reading we're told a story that there were two people who were walking and then they experienced the resurrected Jesus and then we're told that Jesus appeared to Peter and then to the disciples it says in Luke 24 as we go on it says while they were still talking about this Jesus himself stood among them and said to them peace be with you They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet, it is myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it. So imagine Peter as he saw Jesus. Not the soul of Jesus, but actually Jesus. Resurrection is a complete restoration of a new body. It's hard to even comprehend, and I'm not going to say that I have this all figured out because I haven't experienced resurrection. But the resurrection is a promise to us the resurrection tells us that that it wasn't just Jesus that died and then he goes off and he becomes this soul he becomes a new body God restored the broken and suffering Jesus God can restore in resurrection we see a promise that God takes what's broken that God takes what's confusing that God takes what's uncertain and he makes it whole it reminds us that God can take a cross a symbol of sin and suffering and death And he makes it the ultimate symbol of love, forgiveness, and hope. The resurrection is about restoration. And the resurrection is about transformation. Resurrection is incredible. It's an amazing thing. Because look what we see with Peter. We see Peter transformed because of the resurrection. From brokenness to wholeness. Peter's transformed from denial to awe. Peter was transformed from rejecting Jesus to receiving his forgiveness. All of that is he found hope in the resurrection. So then we go on, the story of the book of Acts follows the disciples, it follows Peter, it follows these others, and it tells the story of the early church as people transformed by the resurrection put their faith and hope in God. Now, I don't want you to miss this because this stuck out to me last night. 10 years, 10 years after he first saw Jesus, Peter talks about the resurrection. Now, now listen to this, listen to this. In our Bibles, Luke and Acts are really one book. You can kind of smush those together. It gets kind of weird because we have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and then you have Acts, and it just kind of seems like if we had the order the way that it could go, you would put Luke and you put Acts together because you read one right into the other. And what's cool about that is it's telling the continuation of the story. So we find Peter, we find all these things happening to him, and then we see what happens with the early church, but we have to be careful because we rush into it, and we think, oh, all this stuff happened like in 30 days. Like, all of these things took place, and God was doing all this stuff, and it was all happening so quick. It took 10 years. Those first 10 chapters are 10 years of people slowly seeking to understand the way of Jesus. See, everybody's in a rush. Everybody's in a hurry. Everybody's looking at this next season of life thing. We just got to get back and let's go. Let's move. Let's go. Woo! Right? And I'm like, slow down. Because that's what we find. When people go through a difficult, hard time where they're asking tough questions, the best thing you can do is slow down and experience the grace of Jesus. Jesus. I mean, remember Jesus talking about this? He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The idea was that we experience with Jesus the slow rhythm of grace. Just breathe for a second. Now slow it down. Slow it down again. We get in such a hurry that we don't even have time to process. We don't have time to process what's happening in our lives. And we don't have time to process the goodness of Jesus. So after 10 long years processing the meaning of the resurrection now guys when people are like I got it all figured out it took Christians 10 years and most theologians would say we still don't have it all figured out so it's okay say I don't know but Peter began to think about the resurrection. Peter began to teach about the resurrection. Not because he read it in some book and he began to create a theology book about it because he experienced it. Jesus, ex- or Peter experienced the resurrected Jesus. Peter experienced the power of the resurrection, the transformation in his own life. And then he said this. And Peter began to speak. I now realize. And just so you know, Peter was pretty close-minded. He thought the gospel was for a certain group of people. And then uh, Jesus said, hey, I got to have that box over there. I'm going to mess that up a little bit because the good news is for everybody, right? And Peter had to figure that out. And he says, I realize now. (laughs) I love it. It's okay to say, I now realize. It took me 10 years to get there, but I, I now realize. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. I'm just going to read that again. That's some good stuff. That preaches right on its own. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation. You know, let's stop building walls. Let's tear down walls and build bigger tables. You with me? That's the kind of church I want to be. That's the kind of Jesus follower I want to be. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of All. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit in power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the cross. These crowds with these Romans a collection of humanity, looked at Jesus and rejected him. But God, listen, but God raised him from the dead. Humanity killed him, is what Peter says. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses God appointed us, or me, or these disciples. No, he gave us a responsibility to go and share the good news with everybody else. Jesus was rejected. Peter says he suffered, he was crucified because of sin. But God forgave through Jesus. And then God didn't leave Jesus in the grave, but resurrected Jesus into new life. And hear me say this, and through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, God shows that our sin, the sin that leads to death, does not get the final word. Because of him, we are invited to live as people experiencing resurrection, experiencing new life, leaving behind the reality of sin, and experiencing the reality of a new and glorious day. Peter reminds us in his life and in this message that no matter matter where we are in this journey, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, God's love for us is the same. And that he desires for us to take part of the reality of resurrection. Even amid uncertainty. As we wonder in these moments what happened god is working and bringing hope into this world and here's the crazy thing he wants to do that through you and he wants to do that through me that the power of the resurrection through the holy spirit works in and through us not alone not on our own but united to each other in a community, in a family, living out the power of the resurrection. What an incredible reality. We are people of hope. So as we celebrate today, let's celebrate this. Let's celebrate that Jesus conquered death but let's also celebrate that that's just the beginning of the story. We celebrate that the story of the empty tomb is God's way of declaring that something new is beginning. We celebrate today that the story didn't empty didn't end at the empty tomb, but began a movement of people. A people who believe in experience and live out this thing called the hope of resurrection. Look, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are in this specific moment. But if you're anything like me, you're, you're maybe filled with some concern. Maybe you've got some frustrations and some anger that you're still holding back. Maybe you have some, some worry that you've kept holding on to. Maybe you're just looking and you're saying, I don't know what's happened and I'm, I'm a little concerned about taking the next step forward. Maybe you enter a place and you say, hey, two years ago, man, I was feeling good. My faith was in a great place. I felt like I understood this thing about Jesus and now I'm not quite sure where I'm at. And that's okay. Okay. Because that's Peter's story. That's my story. Trying just to put the pieces back together. And I look at Peter, and it took him 10 years. It took us 10 years to get here. I wonder what the next 10 years are going to bring. You know what will bring us there? Hope. Hope. Hope, not just in hope, but hope in the resurrection. Hope in the transforming power of Jesus. Hope that Jesus changes you and me and changes this world for good in this place, in the here and now, bringing love and justice and grace and mercy to this world. So let's live as people of resurrection. And let's live as people of the hope of the resurrection. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the story of Peter that tells us it's okay to take our time to figure things out. That God, walking beside each other and walking with you, we can put the pieces together. Help us to learn. What does it mean to live as people of resurrection? And help us, God, to not answer that question too quickly, but to trust that you will continue to guide us and show us exactly what that means. God, we thank you for today. And we say those words, he is risen. It's your name that we pray. Amen.